And today I want to talk to you about something that counselors and psychologists say is a big part of how to rebuild your life back to a place um, where stress and anxiety and depression don't have to overcome you, but you can do it. And they say that systems and structures have a huge part to deal with this. In fact, um, scientifically, they say there's non-medically depressive reasons for depression and anxiety and things like that. And seven of them, up to seven of them, this is crazy, seven of them are lifestyle related. Seven of them are lifestyle related. Here's what that means. That means that I, the way I live my life, can get myself into those moments. But here's the other side. The way I live my life can also get me out of those moments. And I believe we need the power and the foundation and the rock of Jesus and the power of God, the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives to get us to those places. And so today, I want to take a few minutes and talk about systems and structures in your life. Systems and structures. And here's the reality. If you're a leader at Radiate Church, you've heard me talk about systems and structures a million times because it's something that's so important to the leadership structure of what we do here and of every thriving organization. But I want to talk about what that means in your life. What is a system and a structure? A system and a structure is simply those things that you consistently do that creates a lifestyle that you become. So a culture is basically the personality of something or someone that you experience. A system and a structure creates that culture. So here's some systems and structures that you may think about, right? So if all those things matter, what we do matter, you can ask yourself, these are things that would be systems and structures on a practical level. One of them would be something like this. When do you, what, when do you go to bed at night? Like what time is kind of your bedtime, right? I know you're kind of like, well, I'm an adult. I go to bed when I want. You probably don't. And if you do... That's not really healthy. In fact, scientists say that you need seven to eight hours of sleep every night for your brain to function correctly. Some of you are like, well, that would explain a lot. (laughs) When do you go to bed at night, right? When do you wake up in the morning? You know, some people swear by the fact that you got to wake up extremely early. Some people swear by the fact you wake up whenever you want to wake up and you do what you do, right? What is your system? What is your structure? How about this one? How do you resolve conflict in in your home? How do you um, resolve conflict and have uh, those conversations that you disagree with? What is that like? Do you yell or do you calmly talk? Do you fuss or do you uh, have conversation? Like, it just depends. Those are systems and structures. Those are culture that you do. How do you come to solutions about these things? Like, in my house, whenever we want to figure out where we're going to go eat, this is our system and structure. Where do you want to go? I don't know. Where do you want to go? I don't know. Where do you want to go? And that's about a 15-minute conversation of just that one phrase. It's a system and structure. So what are the systems and structures in your life? Here's some more on a spiritual side. What, when do you take time to spend time with God? When do you take time to spend time with God? When do you take time to spend time with your spouse? When do you take time to spend time with your kids? All that stuff is systems and structures that create a lot. In fact, culture is highly, highly valuable and highly important in a spiritual sense, in a practical sense. I could take it to a business sense. Watch this. If I talk to you about Chick-fil-A, right? I'm going to give Chick-fil-A some free pub today, right? If I talk to you about Chick-fil-A, if I, we go in there and we ask Chick-fil-A worker to do something, right? We'll call them, I don't know, a random name, maybe somebody in here named Nick, that we go to Chick-fil-A, and we look at him and say, hey, Nick, can I have some Chick-fil-A sauce? You know what he's going to do? He's going to walk back. He's going to give me the Chick-fil-A sauce. And because I'm polite, I'm going to say what? Thank you. And what is Nick going to say back? Now, how would you know that? Because that's their culture. 
That's what they do. They're going to have a smile on their face. It may not be their pleasure. They may be going, this is the seventh Chick-fil-A sauce you've asked me for, and I'm tired of slipping over sweet tea to get it. But you'll never know it. They'll have a smile on their face, and they'll say, my pleasure. Right? They'll be wearing, you could go to a Chick-fil-A right down the road right here, or you can go to one in Myrtle Beach, and they'll be wearing similar clothes. You'll be able to tell who a manager is because they'll be wearing similar clothes to whatever every other manager does. They'll say the words, uh, my pleasure, and they'll serve you the same way. Why? Because their culture is transcendent. And so my question to you is what culture are you creating in your life with your kids, with your spouse, and at home that get you where you want to go in life, that get you to where you want to be? In fact, here at Radiate Church, it's a big deal for us, culture. And, and, and systems and value because as we open more campuses, hopefully we'll get to a place to where we can open a second campus this year or, or in the very near future. But the reality is as we open more campuses, we want people to walk into that campus and feel loved and valued. We want at Radiate, we are just all about relationships. We, we want people to connect together, find their purpose, and live that out, right? And so because of that, we try to create cultures and systems and structures that allow that to thrive, right? At Radiate, our values are not on the wall just so that they can be done on Sundays, but they're on the wall so that it's every day of the week because there's kingdom values, not Radiate Church values. Are you following me? And so we have conversations, with people so that we can do better at that stuff. And so I'm just giving you some practical things of what systems and structures really create in, in, in this life. And actually, in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, it turns spiritual. The Apostle Paul is writing to the church of Corinth. He's writing, this is the first letter that he writes to them. And he writes this letter and he's talking to them and he's really encouraging them about their liberty and about freedom, spiritual freedom, and what that looks like. And he, and he makes this analogy in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 24 through 27. It talks a lot about structures and systems and getting to the destination or the finish line so that we can live this life as powerfully and as destination-driven as possible. I want to read that with you today, 1 Corinthians chapter 9, 24. Through 27. It actually says this. It says, Do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but only one receives the prize? So run in such a way that you may win. Everyone who competes in the games exercises self-control in all things. They then do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we do it to receive an imperishable. Therefore, I run in such a way as not without aim. I box in such a way as not beating the air. But I discipline my body and I make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified. I love the analogy and the, the symbolism and the picture that the Apostle Paul paints for the church of Corinth and us today through these series of verses where he starts to talk about disciplines. And here's what disciplines are. Disciplines are structures and systems that create cultures that get us where we want to go. Let me put it to you like this. A phrase that you can take this week and think on is this. Your disciplines determine your direction. Your disciplines determine your direction. Watch this. If I don't discipline myself to be a mature adult, then I can't be mad when I'm constantly in immature situations. Are you following me today? 
My disciplines determine my direction. So I can't be mad about the way that I'm going if my disciplines aren't lining me up to get there. I have to understand that my life, my life has to follow where I want to go. Watch this. In the, in the, in the scripture here, Paul makes this statement. He says, do you not know that those who run in a race all run? Watch this. Everybody is running a race. Their race may not look like your race. My race won't look like your race. Your race won't look like my race. Our races will look different. They'll feel different. They'll move at different paces, right? They'll, they'll, they'll go different places. I'm rhyming and didn't even know that I was this morning. Like all this stuff, our race will look different, but we're all running the race. But he says this, everyone will run the race, but not everyone will win the race. So in other words, we can run the race and get to the end and never actually win the thing. Well, what's the difference? He says, there's a group of people that run for perishable wreaths or to accumulate things, to accumulate stuff, and then there's people that run for eternity. There's people that run for something that they might not grab here, but they will grab in eternity. And the reality is, is that we got to learn that my discipline, it changes my direction. And that's why I need people, like, if I want to go over there, I'm not going to line up this way and start running over there to get there, am I? Because, but that's what we do a lot of times in life. I, here's a system and structure that I've, I've lined up in my life, right? So over the past year, year and a half, for specifically, uh, Pastor Travis and I have this discipline now. We're at lunch around 11, 11.30 every day. We go, to, we go to the gym and we work out for 45 minutes to an hour. Uh, because that's just a healthy discipline for us, and that's what we do. And we pick up lunch, and we bring it back to the office, and we finish our workday, right? And that's just kind of what we do. It's a discipline. It's a structure that we have. And I love it because it determines, watch this, because that's determined. Now I know where not to put meetings. I know what not to do in that time because I, I already have it figured out. Are you with me? But here's one thing that I hate doing at the gym. I hate treadmills. Anybody with me? You know what I'm saying? Like, I hate running. I hate treadmills. I can't stand it. But I know that the older I get, the more I need to hit a treadmill, the more I need to run on the treadmill. The thing is, is I feel like I need to pray over treadmills and cast the devil out of them. I can't stand them. And here's one reason I can't stand a treadmill, because I can run for 15 minutes and I never get anywhere. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm on this treadmill and I'm running and I'm still next to the same stinky, sweaty person that I was next to before. And we're having this awkward look at each other. We're running, and it's just this look like, huh. y'all know what I'm talking about. It's that awkward look where it's like, hey, what's up? Hey, what you doing? Well, we're, I'm running. What are you doing? Well, I'm running too. Right? I hate a treadmill. Man, some of us run our lives in such a way that we're running, but we never go anywhere. Am I going to be in the same place in 10 years as I am today? Are my kids going to be in the same place in 10 years as they are today? Or am I setting systems and am I setting structures that when I run my race, I'm actually making progress one step, one half a step at a time, whatever it is. And I can't get mad, watch this, if my kids prioritize everything else over God when I prioritize everything else over church. If my kids never see me pray, then I can't get mad when they don't know how. It's a system and a structure. If my kids never see me honor people, whether I agree or not, doesn't matter, never see me honor people, I can't get mad if they grow up and don't know how to love somebody. 
What systems and structures do I have in place that are helping me run the race, not just to run it, but to win it? To get to the end, and I get to the end, and I'm there for eternity. I've made an eternal impact and difference in life. I'm not just running the race. I'm not just doing it and never going anywhere, but I'm creating disciplines that create life-giving cultures that make a difference everywhere that I go. See, that's my hope for Radiate Church. I don't want you to just run the race. I don't want you to just get through the day. we got to learn to play the long game. I don't want you to just go, how do I get through today? I want you to go, how do I make a difference in my life? My heart as a pastor is not to just grow a church. My heart as a pastor is to develop people that make a difference everywhere they go. I believe that God has called us as a church to reach thousands of people and develop thousands of leaders that go out and make a difference everywhere that they go. I believe we've been called as a church to to, to launch other campuses and to support other ministries and to do all these things financially and generously and through disciples and leaders to go out and make a difference everywhere we go. But we can't do that just focusing on how do I get through today? I got to go, how do I make an eternal, long game impact everywhere I go with life-giving culture? That's why Radiate Way values are on the wall. That's why we have the conversations we have. Like, no, we don't just honor people on Sundays. We honor people every day. We don't just say that we can't outgive God on Sunday mornings. We can't outgive God any day of the week. We serve with excellence, not just on Sundays, but every day of the week. What does that look like for us? Where do we go? What does it mean to live and make a difference in the long game? And as we are developing disciplines that, that, that help us create life-giving cultures, here's what we have to remember is it's not about us. This thing is not about us. This thing is not about me. This thing is not about you. This is about the kingdom. I could, I could summarize the kingdom of God in one word. Selflessness. Selflessness. That's why honor is one of the greatest values we have here at Radiate Church. Because honor causes me to be selfless and love somebody no matter what. Love them at the level they were created, not the level they're at. That's, that's honor. It's, it's like this. I had the opportunity recently, uh, a month or two ago, to go hang out with some world-class leaders. And uh, spend a week with them and talk church and leadership and life and learn from these guys. And one day we were uh, around the town. I wasn't from the state or the town. I didn't know where we were. So there's people that drove us around in town. And y'all, this town, literally the population is 400 people. So it's a small town, right? It's amazing. And we're down there and they said, hey, they said, we're going to have to go pick up this guy from our private airfield in town. I was like, you have 400 people. They call that a cow pasture, not a private airstrip. So they, they go to the private airstrip, and they pick this guy up that flew himself in on his own private plane. I was like, yeah, bring him to me. I know a church in Columbia, South Carolina he can help be a part of. You know what I'm saying? Just playing around. Anyway, so they come in, and we, we have dinner with this guy, and, and, and he's just hanging out with us. He's not there to teach. He's just there to hang out. We're standing around a fire pit. We're having a conversation. 
Like all this stuff, we're just talking. This guy's worth over $500 million. Like it's insane. He's a Hollywood producer. I'm not going to say his name. He's a Hollywood producer. But if I said the movies, you would know exactly uh, the movies. Like they're, they're famous, famous movies. So this guy comes out and we're hanging out. We're just talking, to, talking life. And he starts to tell me about his daughter who goes to college in Paris. I was like, that just sounds cool to say. What's let's do? And we're talking about this, and, and I start telling him. He's talking about his daughter in Paris. I'm like, oh, yeah? Well, I'm taking my family to Disney. <laughs> and I started telling him how at the end of the year, I've got through uh, some blessings and got the opportunity to take my family and, and, uh, to, to Disney. And I've never been to Disney. Is anybody else with me on that? Because I feel, I, I get yelled at every time I say that. I'm like, I've never been to Disney. Oh, my God! I can't believe you! Sorry, I'm, I'm sorry I've let you down in life. And so we get to go to Disney, and I was telling him, I was like, man, you know, we were laughing, having a good conversation. And I told him, I was like, I don't like crowds. I was like, I'm not a big crowd guy. In fact, if you get in my bubble, I just start punching. And he's like, yeah, Disney might be a problem. And I was like, I don't like to be hot. And he was like, well, that might be a problem too. And I was like, I hate to wait. Can't stand to wait on something. He's like, yeah, Disney, yeah. Hmm. So we're having this conversation, and we're laughing and having fun. And he looks at me, and he goes, hey, man. He said, Brandon, just remember something. He goes, it doesn't matter how hot it is or how long you have to wait. It doesn't even matter, like, how crowded it is. He goes, just remember, that trip ain't about you. And I looked at him, and I was like, don't you talk to me like that. You don't know me. He goes, no, nah, just trust me. It's not about you. Like, it's about your kids. He goes, you just go in there, and you sweat to death if you got to. You wait in whatever line you need to wait in. You do what you need to do to see a, a smile on their face. He goes, it's not about you, man. He said, because if you don't realize that now, there will come a day you'll look back and you'll wish that you did. He goes, just remember it's not about you. And tears were welling up in his eyes. And <clears throat> they see a multi-multi-multi-millionaire look at me and cry, a very successful man, and tell me that just... I've thought about that almost every day since. And he was talking about my kids, but I almost feel like God would look at his kids and go, hey, just remember, this ain't about you. Like, I know life is going to be tough, and it's going to be hard, and you're going to want to punch somebody, and you're going to want to this, and you're going to want... Just understand, this isn't about you. You wait however long you need to wait, and you, you go through whatever you need to go through, but in the entire time, just remember, it ain't about you. This trip in, on earth isn't about you. I think God would just look at us and go, just remember, it's about them. Okay, God, who's them? Everybody you encounter. Selflessness is the key to the game in the kingdom. Like, so, What are my structures allowing me to be selfless about? And what, what structures are making me selfish? Like, We need to look out for ourselves, but we also have to understand selflessness. And then it, it, this is a question like, I didn't want to get up here and just preach this message because I don't, I'm going to be, I'm, I'm hitting a point in my life to where I want to preach well, but if you go home and say I preached well, but don't, it doesn't do anything, then that does nothing. But what if we just have transparent conversations, which is what this is all about, and it's this, am I going to finish this race faithful? What a question to ask. What a challenging question. Am I going to finish this race faithfully? The Bible teaches me that when I get to eternity and I'm there and I get to embrace my Savior 
face to face. Watch this. There's going to be one of two responses that he has for me. And one of those is, well done, good and faithful man that showed up to church every day. No. Well done, good and faithful man that, that tried his best and was a decent person. No. He's going to look at me, and one of the options is, well done, good and faithful servant. Good and faithful servant. What does it mean to be faithful? It means that I did what he asked me to do, when he asked me to do it, how he asked me to do it, at the time he asked me to do it. I was faithful. I was consistent in obeying him and servant. I served him, not me. I didn't build my kingdom. I helped build his kingdom. I did everything. Well done, good and faithful servant. Will we finish this race faithfully? Can I tell you, I don't want you to just finish. I want you to finish faithfully. I want you to finish. You may finish tired, but finish faithfully. Finish into where you are called a faithful servant. To where we're in this thing for the long haul. Because watch this. We have to develop disciplines that impact eternity. We have to develop disciplines that impact eternity. we got to play the long game. I've already talked about that a little bit. But what we do so often is we so focus on the short game in the short term. And how do I get through today? And how do I get through this moment? And how do I stop feeling this? And how do I stop feeling that? And here's the reality. we got to play for the long game. I think there's too many people that don't play for the long game anymore. we got to play for the long game. Like, I want my kids to grow up and love Jesus. I need to develop disciplines now that impact that later. I want my wife to talk better about me when I'm gone than when I'm around. How do I develop disciplines now that allow that to happen? I want my church to actually miss me when I'm gone. How do I develop disciplines now that make that happen? I want people, I want you, that whenever you grow up in your life and you keep keep climbing the corporate ladder, that you think back to lessons and conversations that we had that made you uncomfortable and made you upset, but it made you closer to God. How do we develop disciplines now to where we have those hard conversations and we're okay with it? we got to play the long game, the legacy game in this thing. And I don't know about you, but I'm at a place in my life where I'm just starting to think, what do I need to do to develop disciplines that impact eternity? And I actually love what Joshua says in the book of Joshua. It's in chapter 24 in verse 15 and A lot of you already know it because it's on a picture in your house. And Joshua is making this statement to a group of people. And here's what he says. I'll read it to you. Verse 15. It says, if it's disagreeable in your sight to serve the Lord. So here's what he says. If you don't want to serve God, he says this. Then you got to choose for yourselves um, today whom you'll serve. You'll either serve the gods of your fathers, which your fathers served, which were beyond the river, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you're living. In other words, he goes, hey, guys, listen. Like, I'm going to make this real easy for you. Joshua's going, you just got to understand, you got, you're going to have to choose one way or another because you're going to serve a God. Yeah. It's going to happen. Like, when you walk out of here, you're going to serve a God. And you got to choose. Are you going to serve the gods which your fathers served, or are you going to serve the gods of the Amorites? Which one are you going to serve? And then he makes this bold statement. He goes, as for me, I'm not serving either one of those. He said, as for me and my house, we will what? Serve 
the Lord. And we got to understand, watch this. Joshua's not just like making a statement. Here's what Joshua's saying. Hey, guys, you got to choose which, which gods you're going to serve. But I need you to understand that the systems and the structures and the culture and the atmosphere in my house is subject to God and no one else. He goes, you can, serve to, you can choose to serve whoever you want. It's your call, not mine. He goes, but as for me and my house, as for me and my kids, as for me and my wife, as for me and my servants, as for me and anybody that lives under my roof, the way we resolve conflict will make God proud. The way that we have conversations will be God honoring. The way that we worship God will be powerful. The way that we love others will be selfless. As for me and in my house, everything we do will serve the Lord. You choose your way, but I'm just letting you know what my way is so that you don't get it mixed up. Because you need to understand that whenever somebody from your house comes to my house, there's a different God that we're going to serve. And I think there's a point to where as people, we got to make a declaration at some point. Who are we going to serve? Hey, as for me and my house, you're going to do it my way. Sometimes my life probably lends to that a little too much. But what if I said, as for me and my house, we're going to do it God's way. Whether I like it that way or not. Hey, as for me and my house... We're going to love each other, and we're going to honor people, whether we like what they say or do or not, doesn't matter. We're going to honor people at the way that serves God. Hey, as for me and my house, going to church isn't an option. Hey, as for me and my house, we will serve God through serving others. Hey, as for me and my, this is a conversation I have with my kids. Hey, in this house, when you get money, the first 10% goes back to the church. When somebody gives my kids $10, they know a dollar of it goes to the church. It's just conversations that we have. I don't do a lot right, but I try. And so I need you to hear me today. Like, what if we had systems and structures in our life that allowed us to go, I'm running towards something. I'm running towards a destination. The disciplines in my life are taking me to the destination I know God's calling me to. And for some people in the room, your first thing, and I do this every week, your first thing is you got to give your life to Jesus. Accept him as your savior. Like, understand that it, nothing starts without him. And that's your first act today. And then for some of us, like, I want you to go home and think about this. What systems and structures do I need to create in my life that allow me to draw closer to God and make an eternal Im impact uh, everywhere that I go? Because I can't answer that for you, and neither can the person sitting next to you, and neither can your kids, but you can. No matter where you are in life, you can. So if you would, just bow your heads with me for a minute. I just want to pray with you. And I just want to ask, first of all, if there's anybody in the room that would say, hey, pastor, I just, like, first thing I need to do is give my life to Jesus. Above anything else, I just need to give my life to Jesus. I need to accept his forgiveness and his grace and his love. And like, I just want you to know that's what the church is here for. To create an atmosphere and an environment where we can give our hearts to Jesus each and every time we're together. 
So what does that look like? Here's what that looks like. All you got to do in just a minute is just raise your hand, and we're just going to pray as a family and ask for the forgiveness of Jesus in your life and in our lives. So if that's you, and today is the day you want to give your heart to Jesus, would you just hold your hand up right where you are? We're not going to put your face on the screen or anything like that. We just want to pray with you. Amen. Now here's what I'd love to do. Just pray over you today. Father, we honor you, and we give you everything. And today, God, I just pray that this will be a challenging message, no matter where we are in life, as on this Father's Day, that would help us kind of work some structures and systems that draw us closer to God and impact eternity. And the great thing is, God, is that you love us so much that you're not going to leave us where we are. And so we may be flawed. I know we're flawed, and we're messed up, and we got it wrong. And God, maybe we've been living a system and a structure that's not conducive to honoring you and to lifting you up. It's okay. God, we just ask for your forgiveness and grace and to help us get to where we need to be. Because, God, we love you more than anything else in this world. And we give you all that we have. As we walk out of here today, we want to we change the world every step that we take. And we want to create systems and structures that help us get to where we need to go with you and draw people closer to you no matter what. God, change our lives. Change our hearts. Change, change everything about us so that we can impact the world for eternity. God, we honor you and, cha- and, and praise you. In your name we pray. Amen. Would you put your hands together for the Lord?